Welcome back, everybody. Bleeding Claret and Cobalt, your host, Trey Fitzgerald, the producer, Ryan Hale. We are excited for today's episode as we kick off the Real Salt Lake 2021 season with general manager Elliot Fall, assistant GM Tony Beltran. And as I allude to this, Ryan, when when we get there, is just it's exciting to kind of be able to talk about soccer and talk about games. And and we're very close to having fans uh, back in the building at Rio Tinto. Uh, first up, RSL heads to Minnesota. That building is amazing. Uh, one of my friends is involved with Minnesota United. I cannot wait to go uh, in a post-pandemic world, go take in an RSL game up there. But it, it was fun to talk with Elliot and Tony a little bit about the roster construction, about the evolution through a very difficult 2020 year, um, the growth and development of people that have come up through the academy system, through the Monarchs. And then obviously there's a lot of a new blood as well. So we talk about kind of the balance of Freddie having another year with some of these young guys that might be a little more MLS ready than they were a year ago. Uh, integrating, obviously, Bobby Wood, Rubio Rubin, Anderson Julio, et cetera, et cetera. And then, as usual on this pod, we talk about uh, the aspects of rebuilding, re-energizing, reminding the soccer world what Real Salt Lake is. So uh, I was just, as always, I'm excited to hear uh, Tony has a unique way of giving his perspective uh, Elliot is also uh, insightful in terms of, of how some of these deals got done. We actually um, spent some fun time talking about why Demir Krylock is the Demir Krylock that we all know and love. So anyway, uh, what are your thoughts on on hearing from those guys? And, and as we kind of get into the early part of the season where RSL has a great opportunity um, coming out of the Minnesota game, I think seven in the next ten are at home. Uh, Riot will be at least 50% capacity uh, there in Sandy. And uh, as you hear me wax ad nauseum, uh, reconnecting the club to the fan base. That's why we do this pod. It's why we do everything we do every day of every minute of every day. Uh, that's what we want. And um, anyway, it was great to hear from these guys to kind of get back to soccer. I love this part of the season, you know, that when you've spent the last you know, three months just focused on like, well, what's it going to look like when they get on the field? You try to yeah. glean anything you can from, you know, trainings or, uh, you know, preseason games or whatever. But now they're finally going to get out there in the field and you're going to know what it's going to look like. What it means to have Tony and Elliot come in and talk to you. I mean, that's good. That's a good sign for the club. I mean, we're not, you and I aren't involved with the club necessarily in the way yeah. that we were before. So they have no responsibility to come in here. We, you know, talking to you is essentially talking to the media and the way that they have been open. I mean, I mean you're not as scary as like some of them, I don't think. I hope not. I mean, hopefully, Elliot. I'm no know. David James. But but the, but the the transparency is important. And I think that that's one of the things that we're learning from this last year. And, you know, just the fact that they came here and, and talked to us was good. Yeah. And, I, you know, having spent some time talking to Elliot and Tony in my life, like I know they're never going to they're never going to spill secrets, but, right. but you can tell that they're honest and open about like the frustrations and, uh, you know, th when they're excited, you can tell. And yeah. I think that those, it's just, it's, I think that 
if that's the if this is the what the front office is doing right now, being transparent and being open, um, that is only good news for RSL fans. Hundred percent. It's great to have them together. Um, that access, that transparency, that willingness to kind of bring everybody inside the ropes, if you will, that's a hallmark of this club. Uh, that was Dave Checkett's way. That was Garth Lagerway's way. Um, other people have kicked and screamed a little bit, but eventually kind of snapped into it. And um, certainly that was always uh, the way that, that I tried to operate during my time there is because we need the fans. And that's actually where Elliot and Tony kind of closed the conversation is is with a message to the fans about um, how much we need them. So uh, really excited for you guys to hear this. Very excited to remind everybody that one wire VOIP is our presenting sponsor and really uh, thank you to Adam Sessions and everybody at one wire VOIP to um, to support our pod and and on our social you can uh, find some of their messaging so if you go to Twitter at Claret Cobalt Instagram at Claret Cobalt you can follow them at one wire VOIP so Up next, we look ahead to the 2021 RSL season with the Brain Trust, Elliot Fall and Tony Beltran, the RSL front office. Bleeding, Claret and Cobalt presented by OneWireFiber.com. That's the number one wirefiber.com. The goal at OneWire has always been a simple one. Deliver cutting-edge telecommunications products and services better than anyone in the Utah communities we serve to all businesses, regardless of size, affordably. Visit OneWireFiber.com or call 801-990-6200. All right. <laughs> Welcome back in Bleeding Claret and Cobalt presented by One Wire VOIP. Very excited to have our new sponsor and uh, our first repeat guest of uh, our 90 days of, of podcast here. Rail Salt Lake General Manager Elliot Fall, Rail Salt Lake Assistant GM Tony Beltran. Guys, thanks for returning to the show. Our like, pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having us. And Is, did your new sponsor, do they. Are they in place to fund your video gaming habit? Is that like your the they connect you to your? To they could. Yeah. Um, they they are focused on small businesses <laughs> and giving them phone and internet solutions. But I mean, if somebody wants to throw PS Five my way, maybe I could. I was uh, I was gonna say you've been texting me about your your uh, your burgeoning uh, gaming career or burgeoning so, burgeoning is it burgeoning or burgeoning? I think it's burgeoning. Of course, Elliot's gonna fact check me on no, this. No, one. I, no, I actually got, I got an <laughs> alert about something. It's not a. Anyway, guys, um, here we are on the precipice of RSL's 2021 season, and I'm, I'm very excited, as I'm sure you guys are, that we finally get to talk about soccer a little bit. Not all the other stuff, not all the uncertainty or speculation about things that are outside of everybody's control. We actually get to talk about games and a roster and uh, moves. So, um you know, we talked to you guys both last, probably it was late January, early February. I think we had the Bobby Wood rumors shortly thereafter. Rubio Rubin, Anderson Julio joined. Um, there have been a slew of, of other signings. And, and I, frankly, am just excited um, 
because one, I throw 2020 out for a whole host of reasons, uh, COVID related. There's no flow to that year. And that's not just in MLS. That's across multiple sports and leagues for my personal fandom experience. But um, based on what I saw in preseason on those streams, I'm super excited about RSL. So as we sit here um, right before the Minnesota game, uh, where are your heads at? What's, where's your excitement level? What, are, what work is still left to do? And what kind of things are you guys looking to see here in the early part of the season as we await uh, Bobby Wood's arrival? So, Elliot, I'll start with you. I was hoping you were going to start with Tony. Um, no, you know, look, I think it's really exciting. We're, uh, we feel good about, about some of the pieces we were able to bring in in the offseason. Um, we also feel good about some, some stuff we're working on still. Um, and the, the, like you said, the, the group looks motivated and together, um, through the preseason, you know, we saw some good performances. We saw uh, some effectiveness and, and then, and then also a little more kind of dynamic ability going forward, which is, you know, one of the things we really tried to focus on this off season was getting more dynamic and more goal dangerous. And, um, we've seen a little bit of that and hopefully we'll see a lot more of it, uh, with the, you know, with, with the introduction of, of Bobby eventually, and then, and then maybe one or two other pieces we'll see. So yeah, Tony, obviously there's an influx of new blood, both on the field and off. Obviously, I guess the biggest name joining Freddie's staff is, is Pablo Mastroeni. Hmm. Um, you've spoken before on this show about, you know, the leadership you saw in Pablo, how, I guess, from your lengthy experience um, in this league and in your playing career, is there, I, I know every season is different, every campaign is different, but how do you feel, I guess, about kind of striking that balance between uh, returning uh, consistency, et cetera, on the staff and on the roster, and then an influx of new blood? Sure. Yeah, I think... Um... Trey, I think every season, every roster is has its differences, but I think team dynamics remain the same. Mm. And, um, you know, the, the difference between a very elite team or an elite organization and, and the average is is very small. It's minuscule. And in my experience, it's it comes down to just culture, and that's it. And I think that's very much appropriate for, for our league, for MLS. And look, Pablo is a sage in exactly that. Mm. You know, I almost feel unworthy answering this question because... I would. I think it's more appropriate to ask the players directly because mm -hmm. in all our conversations, if even putting aside, you know, being able to work with Pablo and everything we've experienced there, the players have unanimously just embraced him and loved his presence, appreciated his knowledge, his his tutelage, both on the field and off, and he's been a very very positive force, uh, not only in the coach's office but also in our locker room as well and and on the field. So, um, so we're very we're very happy to have Pablo here. Very lucky. And I think that kind of that statement is applicable not only to to Pablo but also just um, the team entity as a whole. You know, I think again going back to team dynamics and the importance of culture, the team is in a very positive place, and it's easy to be bullish on on a group you know during preseason yeah. because everyone's full of optimism and there's really nothing to lose. But you still have to have that. You still have to earn that, and um, and we do. And, and the guys have. They put a ton of work in, and, and I think it's shown through some preseason results. And, and that's what's really exciting is because once you start getting you know, one or two results right. and it reinforces everything, all the, all the positivity, all the right, all the, all the hard work, everything you're building, um, then that's when that culture really starts to, to permeate. So 
Um, again, it's early, but I'm excited about Pablo, about the team, about everyone, and, and very bullish on us for this year. Um, I, I would say kind of from the outside looking in, the fan questions, I guess, about the 2021 season are, you know, is David, you know, how many games is David Ochoa going to get in goal? Um, do we have enough center backed up? And how do we get uh, Albert, Demir, Pablo, and Everton on the field together? Um, Elliot, I'll give you the first crack at, at those those kind of issues or questions because those seem to be the hot topics that everybody wants to speculate on. Sure. Um, let's go in reverse order. Okay. Uh, you know, we feel really good about those four guys in the midfield, certainly. Um, they're all guys who've, who've played up the, the spine of the team, um, a lot over the last several years, uh, and, and have proven their, their worth. How are we going to get them all on the field at the same time? I think that, you know, that remains to be seen. That's, you know, one of Freddie's challenges, yeah. um, but a good challenge. And the other thing I would say is, you know, it's a really long season. There's a lot of opportunity. Um, there are a lot of minutes to go around. Uh, before the season, it's really easy to 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 look at it and say, "Oh my, you know, how do you get these four guys on the field?" Mm-hmm. And then, as you get into the flow of the year, it works out, and 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 that depth is something we'll really, you know, we're gonna treasure. So, yeah, um, we feel, you know, we feel good about where that that position is, or or those, you know, kind of that group is. Uh, and then um, center back depth. Uh, look. You can never have too much center back depth, so um, we we continue to to look at players, um, and 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 we'll see if we bring another one in. But we also feel really good about the group we've got. Um, Justin, you know, I think Justin, even though he's he's you know only what twenty three years old, yeah, I guess he turned twenty four recently. Justin has proven his worth in this league, um, you know, and, and he's an anchor on, on this roster and on our back line. So, uh, you know, we feel great about Justin. Justin playing every single game for us would not be an issue. Right. Uh, and then, you know, Marcelo is another guy who's, who's proven very, very capable in this league. Um, you know, I think had a very good year last year, um, at least for, for long stretches, you know, there were times we obviously had a disappointing year, so I don't think everybody's thrilled with every aspect of it, but I think generally speaking, you know, Marcelo was Marcelo was good for us, uh, and, and we're excited to have him back there. And then, you know, a guy like Eric Holt is another player who's taken another step forward and continues to improve uh, and continues to work hard, work at his craft, and um, we're, we're – we're comfortable with him on the field and then you know and and maybe i'll let tony touch on it but we also feel great about some of the young guys coming up uh through through the system um because we can't forget we're also you know we're a development oriented club mm-hmm. and and investing in that development um is imperative for our future and and it's a huge part of what's gotten us where we are so there's some there are some guys coming up through the pipelines that i think people are going to uh, really get to know in the coming years and 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 come to love. Yeah, Tony, I wanted to go there with you as well in that 
you know, last year from afar, and I was 5,000 miles away, I guess, at this time last year, but kind of watching some of the somewhat familiar names from the Monarchs get added, I I kind of questioned, okay, are they really MLS caliber guys? And being back for the last six months and, and now looking, I feel like that we have an incredibly deep roster and I'm, and maybe I'm, I'm, I'm obviously biased towards like a Andrew Brody. Mm. Um, I, I feel like Eric Holt, just seeing him against Sacramento at Rio Tinto several weeks ago. And then in the preseason streams has grown significantly in his ability. And, you know, look, I don't, I wouldn't put five cents of trust in my eye on any of this stuff, but, um, I do feel like despite the trials and tribulations of 2020 for, all these guys like uh, Chris Garcia, Noah Powder, Jason, uh, Douglas, um, Brody, uh, Portillo, um, who am I missing? Michael Chang. Mm-hmm. Um, I could go on and on. There's several other Noah Powder. Um, Bodie Davis. Bodie Davis, uh, Milan. Um, I just feel like the continuity of having those guys around and with Freddie despite some of the other changes around them, I feel like we're exponentially deeper going into 2021 with essentially a, a similar group than than we were a year ago at this time. Sure. Yeah, no, I, I agree, Trey. Uh, I trust your gut there, definitely. <laughs> you, you have a worthy eye. And I think... Don't tell Elliot. <laughs> we didn't have to... Uh, we don't have to talk about uh, 2020, but we can in the context of, of look, there was a lot of... Um, it was a difficult year, you yeah. know, for, for the organization in a number of ways, but also for the players as well. You know, not a ton, not much on-field success. And the advantage of, or, you know, taking that and trying to turn it into advantage and then also coupling in the fact that we had an extended off-season this year because of the pandemic, right. you know, with the late start to MLS. And, and look, we've even had uh, a week longer than every other MLS team because we had <laughs> a buy in the first week, which, you know, is what it is. But but meant that the players had the ability to to interact and to be under the tutelage of our staff mm-hmm. and to remain in Harriman and to train and prepare for this year in a different way than I've ever seen before, um, because it's such a such a a large opportunity in terms of time. And so through that, it's been really interesting watching the different mentalities of these players and how they've approached mm-hmm. kind of this pause, this hiatus um, between competitions. And exactly what you said, you know, they've all approached in the right way, which is a credit to the leadership, you know, to Freddie and, and yeah. the staff and, um, but to the players themselves. And it's been so much fun, so much fun and so rewarding watching everything kind of come together in preseason. And then these players that you're talking about, which, which aren't maybe at the top end of the roster, um, really just improve very quickly and play themselves into certain positions um, within the roster that they weren't, you know, wasn't there a couple months ago. And that's exciting. It's, it's very fun. And I think, um, like what Elliot was referring to, it's also a good example of, of the luxury of having our academy. Right. And, you know, the academy is so much fun. It's, it's something I never really thought about in this context before, before working in this position is, but I, I would hear you say this all the time, is the academy is so much fun. It's so much fun. You know, it's fun being with the boys. And it really is because that, that purity is infectious, mm. um, you know, and, and it, it reminds me a lot when I was a little kid because, you know, you're just having so much fun being with your peers, living in that environment, playing soccer every day. You know, after training, they go back to the dorms and they play soccer tennis. You see them playing soccer right. outside. It's just, it's exciting because it is so pure. And then to see in preseason, 
a number of these boys be with the professional teams, you know, with the first team when they started and now with the Monarchs and to see them very quickly elevate to the next level um, and showcase to everyone that we have something special here has, has been tremendous and, and obviously a significant luxury and really one of the reasons why RSL remains, has remained um, relevant in this league for the past five, six years is because of the success of our academy. So it's just a continuation of that. And there's a couple of players in particular that I think, um, like you said, are, are going to be pretty special. Um, you know, one of the big names that I've heard from Brian Dunseth and seeing on Twitter that has had a good preseason is Zach Farnsworth, right? Academy kid, uh, Park City, if I if I recall correctly, is where he's from. That's exciting. So, and w- I have no idea how much he's actually going to play in MLS this year. But for these guys, I feel like, and I'm sorry, I'm not up to speed on this, but I feel like the rules have kind of evolved to a point where if guys aren't getting 90 or 45 minutes or 20 minutes with Freddie each week, they're going to have more of an opportunity to to go play Monarchs games and stay fit and stay game match ready or whatever. Is that is that correct more so in the last one or two years than it was five years ago? Certainly. Uh, and as well for academy kids to come up and play Monarchs games as well. Yeah, and that's huge. Um, it, it's huge, you know, our ability to bring bring academy players and and give them professional opportunities um, as soon as they have shown they're they're ready for it um, before they you know before they even sign a contract is is huge uh, and, and that's one thing we're able to do at the monarchs level and then in Atlanta they're trying to do it at the MLS level <laughs> <laughs> no comment uh, no um, and then and then yeah to your point, it's a great developmental opportunity for some of the the young guys on the MLS roster as well. Um, you touched on on Zach Farnsworth and look, Zach Zach did have a great preseason um, with the first team. He's still you know he's still an academy player, uh, and we kind of forget that. But he's not he's not even under contract right now. Um, unfortunately, Zach actually suffered an injury towards the end of preseason. He's going to be out for several months. Um, and Clemson's waiting for him to figure out what he wants to do too, right? <laughs> yeah, a lot of pressure. Yeah. But no, I mean Zach's got some good options ahead of him. But um, you know he and he has an he has an incredibly bright future. Uh, you know Zach's a Zach's a kid that we we believe in um, wholeheartedly. So uh, the answer is you might not see Zach a lot uh, <laughs> on the MLS. You know on an MLS field in in the coming months. But uh, it's only a matter of time. We think so. Um, obviously, Bobby Wood has gotten most of the headlines and expectations for incoming players um june 1st i believe the window closes and there's might be a possibility of of more moves then or if not then when does the summer window kind of open because this compressed mls calendar is interesting yeah um yes uh, the the current window that we're in the primary window closes june 1st the secondary window then opens up in the first week of july um so, so you still have two thirds of the season, basically. Yeah. So, which is nice. um, there, more. yeah, there, there is the possibility, absolutely, of, of of making more moves. Um, we will, we will see. Uh, but, but we're always, we're always trying to improve the roster. So, yeah, that's that's the kind of the timeline. Um. Obviously, 
Albert's international commitments have always been um, a topic, right? And he historically has missed some significant stretches, but I was pleased to see that at least initially the glut of some of his Slovakia duty happens during uh, a big MLS break, mm. which hasn't always been the case in the past. Um, Albert seems to, as you were alluding to earlier, Tony, you just have a great perspective and attitude going into this year, obviously the final year of his contract and who knows what's going to happen. But um, I guess with him and some of the other international players, obviously Douglas Martinez is going to go to the Olympics um, our American guys in, in Ochoa, Glad, Herrera not going to the Olympics, but how have you found, um, Noah Powder, obviously also with Trinidad, how have you kind of found the, the mental side of how these guys juggle club and country? Um, look, I think Albert, Albert is, is well-versed with it, yeah. you know, and even Douglas right now and, and Noah as well. So I don't, I don't think it's going to be a significant issue. And, you know, going back to what you touched on earlier, we do have a very deep roster this year and kind of a lot of players um, in certain portions of the roster just waiting for that opportunity. Yeah. So I, I actually think it's exciting. It is great that, that Albert's Slovakian duties kind of line up in that, in that break so he won't be missing too much time with us because you do want continuity in the mm-hmm. team, especially, um, you know, in his position and him in a, in a leadership role in the team. Right. But I don't anticipate it's going to affect... Um, their play or, or team dynamics too much just because these guys are professionals. You know, this is what this is what the, they're paid to do. This is what they're used to doing. And, and, you know, they do it very well. So while I think it's always the coaching staff, the front office staff, everyone in the organization, the medical staff, you know, the um, strength and conditioning staff always has to be mindful of that and take that into account with the travel, with the increased games, what all that does to kind of the way you approach um, getting those players ready for the weekend. I don't think it's going to change too much as far as um, what they're able to do for RSL this year. Um, starting a week late, I, I think was frustrating on some levels, but it's also, you know, it's an extra week, right? So to kind of get everything in order, I think the schedule pre-international break really sets up nicely and even post for RSL where you've got, what, five out of seven and six out of, uh, or sorry, seven out of the first 10 games at home. That's a big opportunity to get off to a, kind of a fast start, like you said earlier, Tony, with the depth, keep everybody engaged. Um, knock on wood, that's how it all works out, right? Yeah. In theory, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, 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 it's, a, it's certainly a good opportunity. It also puts a little pressure on us to you know get out of the gates strongly. Um, we need to do that. Uh, and And... I certainly think we're we're prepared to do that. Um, so, yeah, it se- it just seems to me like things kind of are lining up nicely. We got fifty percent capacity on May first uh, for the home opener against Kansas City. That's probably five thousand more than I expected a few weeks ago. So, hopefully, things keep trending that in that direction. But for me, I guess the biggest opportunity for the of the season is to reconnect the club and the community by having fans in the stands and just by kind of emerging from the pandemic. And I I think dovetailing nicely with that is, um, and we've talked about this before, Tony here, but you know, the, the follow through on the RSL way Mm. and, and how, um, again, I continue to applaud you guys for, for putting that out there from such an accountability standpoint, 
but also restating the core values of this club that we all love so much and, and reminding people what we have here. And I think, I mean, I felt it at the scrimmage at Rio Tinto against Sacramento, even just sitting in the sun and there might've been only, I don't know, 1500 or 2000 people there, but it, it just felt like we were inching a little bit back to normal, which is huge for, for this club and this community. Yeah, no, I agree, Trey. And, and I hope you're right. And, and, you know, I, I'm almost a little bit too close to it, you know, mm-hmm. because I, 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 Elliot and I both, because we, we are so actively invested in, in, yeah. in making things the way they should be and in bringing about change and, and hopefully instilling a positive culture and direction for the organization, it almost makes me feel like I'm a little bit biased when evaluating how things are. But, you know, again, we talk to our, our people within the organization and we be as connected as possible and, and with the fan base as well. And with all those who care about RSL and are connected to the club, and it, it really does feel like, um, like things are positive and like everyone has a renewed sense of, of direction and belief and um, connection to the organization. And all of that is fantastic. And, you know, it's certainly not the end of this road. There's, there's a lot more work to do, mm. but you know, to what you touched on earlier, winning really helps as well. Um, <laughs> it really does. And, yeah. and all of the success we had in previous iterations for the club um, was made, was just increased, was heightened because we had, we had a really fun team to watch yeah. that was very representative of, of the way the organization was run. And so for that reason, it, it, it elevated into something more um, and something we could all feel, something that was palpable. And and so that's why, you know, we talk about this, this home game stretch coming up in the beginning of the season mm-hmm. and everything in front of us, you know, the key word still is opportunity. Yeah. And I do think, um, look, I think whatever happens in the season on the field, I think our organization, our people have a tremendous amount to be proud, proud of right? because we have all made a conscious concerted effort to evoke change, to, to act in, in good faith and, and to carry forward as good people as we should, as leaders of, mm-hmm. of of our sport in the community. But, um, you know, if, if we can hopefully make some noise this year, then, um, you know, that's how soccer goes. That's how sports is. That's how life is. It's going to be all the more special. Elliot, you've been around this club for a long time and I'm just looking at the roster. And as I, I mean, I obviously don't know a lot of these guys nearly as well as you two do, but one of the things that kind of stands out for me is versatility and flexibility. Like I used to look at our roster and it'd be easy to say, obviously goalkeeper, but center back, outside back, D mid, outside attacking mid, you know, striker, winger, whatever. And for a lot of these names, I feel like these guys can play two or three positions. And again, as I'm looking through my glass half full lens for Freddie, especially, you know, this early stretch that we've talked about is pretty much a game a week the compressed MLS schedule will take over starting right around, I think, July 1st or late June. So you're really going to need, when you're going Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, you're going to need Freddie to have a lot of those depth pieces and those options, which depth is great, but if you don't have versatility, it's almost like kind of half-baked, I guess is how I look at it. So um, am I on to something here, thinking that we've got more players that can play multiple positions than any time in recent memory? Yeah. Um, it's a, it's, it's something we've made a, a conscious effort of, uh, but it, but it also is a, it's a, it's a tricky balance, right? Because you, you want to bring guys in and, and you want guys to have a role that they can develop in and excel in. Um, but it's also really valuable if they can contribute in a slightly different way as well, mm. because 
as, as you mentioned, we have an incredibly compressed schedule at times. Um, and, you know, as you also alluded to, we're going to have, you know, say we'll have Albert missing for a little while. Um, so, you know, Demir's ability to step in as a, as a 10, um, and his effectiveness in doing that is, is very valuable for us. Um, you know, our other central guy you know, the Pablos and the Evertons and their ability to kind of play a couple different roles in that midfield and play in a couple different ways are valuable. Uh, some of the, you know, some of the attacking guys and their abilities just to, to move across the line, you know, even, even a guy like Albert, you know, Albert plays as a winger for Slovakia. Right. He starts every game for them as a winger. Um, and maybe not as a winger, but as a wide playmaker. And, and so, um, his ability to, to slot in those positions is also valuable. And then, you know, when we have Bobby and Rubio and, uh, you know, Douglas and uh, even Milan Olaski, guys like that, who, who can in the attacking third move into a couple different places and play in a couple different ways, it's all really valuable. And it gives us, it gives us not only the flexibility game to game, but it gives us flexibility in game as well to, to make changes and to, uh, kind of just change, change the look, um, if things aren't clicking or if things, you know, it just, it, 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 the, the versatility and the flexibility is absolutely something that is valuable in this league. As we, as we all know, this is a, this is a league where you, you operate with, you know, there's a hard salary cap and, and when you're spending money on, on different spots on the field, it's, it's really helpful if, you know, one guy can do a couple different things because, that frees up your resources to to spend in other ways as well. So, um, real quick, let's touch on Rubio Rubin because again, Bobby Wood, former U.S. international, hopefully future U.S. international again, um, has gotten the headlines. And and we had uh, Sean Higgins here a few weeks ago, and he spoke glowingly of uh, his discussions about the club and the community with both of you and many many others and in helping bring that deal together. But Rubio Rubin is also a guy that I have very fond memories of him playing for the U S national team, um, at a very young age. And he's, he's had a little bit of a, I wouldn't call it the wilderness the way people do in England or whatever, but you know, he hasn't really found a home, uh, but he's had mitigating success everywhere he's been. And he's somebody else that I thought in that Sacramento scrimmage and certainly on the preseason streams, uh, looks like a, a certainly you guys might have found a diamond in a rough on Rubio. Tony, no, go ahead. You go. No, go. Please, no, you go. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll tag team this one because um, it is a pleasure. To and talk actually, about. I'll full disclosure: a little birdie that I know that is close to Landon Donovan is raving about Rubio's potential here. Yeah, rightly so. And I think the land Landon's raving, not the little birdie. Not the little birdie. Landon's <laughs> raving. Okay. Well, I mean, got to make that clear. <laughs> Um, well, that's obviously, you know, that's, uh, that's huge. Um, but look, I think you said it in an interesting way. He hasn't, what did you say, Trey? He hasn't uh, endeared himself to an ho- a home or. I, I said he's kind of been navigating. He hasn't the found a home. Yeah. Yeah. Hasn't, yeah. He hasn't found like, right. you know, solicited a, a firm home, but he certainly has endeared himself to our organization. Okay. I can say that uh, like the way Rubio has, has approached this opportunity has approached him himself coming in with our team and our organization has been unparalleled. Right. Uh, you know, he, he is a player that, like you said, is, is eager to prove something, not only to, um, 
I don't want to say his pundits because I'm sure he's not thinking about that. That's mm. there's no need to really acknowledge that. But to to MLS, you know, he yeah. hasn't been in MLS before, and obviously he's been involved in in various leagues around the world and and with the U.S. men's national team historically, and and now he's viewing this as an opportunity to come in and really showcase his talents and showcase that his talents belong within the elite in this league. And the way he's approached again endearing himself to to his teammates, to our staff, and also his craft has been really really fun to watch. Um, and and really a privilege to watch. He, he very early on attached himself to one, a, a gentleman in our strength and conditioning department called Ryan, named Ryan Cotter, yeah. um, who is an absolute legend um, in his right. And, and look, you know, Rubio told him, and, and I'm paraphrasing here, you know, I need to, I need to lose X amount and I need to put on X amount of muscle. And you walk around the training facility and he looks, you know, he looks strong. Nothing and gets Cotter more excited it's than hearing true. somebody say, I, I gotta, I gotta work in a weight room. <laughs> well, most people probably don't have that self-awareness, right? To yeah. go to Cotter and say, this is, these are my goals. Certainly. I mean, professional... I mean I've said it to Cotter. It doesn't, <laughs> nothing yeah, happens. That's true. <laughs> that's true. I've said it lately too. Um, but most, most professional athletes are too insecure to say something sure. like, like that out loud, uh, you know, let alone to someone who, to, on their coaching staff. Um, and you're right. Cotter is a complete meathead. And that's actually <laughs> like a, an endearing designation for him. He would willingly accept that. So I, I you know, I'm, that's not a slight. I think we need to clip that statement, but remove the, <laughs> the endearing part and just <laughs> Cotter is a meathead. Cotter is a meathead. Cotter is the man. That's that's for sure. We're He's... gonna have him on soon, especially if he agrees to do a uh, post pandemic plan for for pseudo media members like myself. <laughs> he that will be the best. I can say with confidence that'll be the best podcast so far. No, no disrespect <laughs> to your other guests, but. Um, he is, he's a sensei. He's the way room sensei. He he's really a is. Sensei. But anyways, no, I'll, I'll, I'll close up and then you take over with Rubio. Uh, look, I am very, very excited to see Rubio in action, uh, for Real Salt Lake this year. And I'm very excited to, for him to have the opportunity to, you know, prove everything that we've talked about right now. He's a very, very nice young man and he works tremendously hard. And those are two things that are very important within our organization and, and obviously things that we value. So we're very, we're very fortunate to have him aboard. And am I right in thinking he can play outside? He can play the nine. He can even play a little ten if, if need be. Yeah, he look. He's just, he's just a good soccer player. Right. Um. And and so yeah, does he have the ability to, to play in multiple different ways? Yes. Um. You know, if he's, you know, if we were to put him on the wing, it's a different type of, it's a different look. Right. But but he he can be effective doing doing different things. Um. And. You know, as, as Tony alluded to, I think we're all really excited to see what he can offer. Uh, he, you know, he's, it's really interesting. And, and he's a good example of, of a type of player. And you see this in every sport where, you know, I don't, I don't want to say he has a, you know, a reputation, but, but he just kind of, you, you know, he gets attached, you know, gets a tag attached to him that, you know, he's bounced around a bit and, and hasn't found a home. And, and, and while there's truth to that, it's, it's not always for reasons, you know, from the outside and it's not always because he isn't successful. It's, you know, he's, he just hasn't found that, that permanent home. Um, well, it can always be very circumstantial, like with Bobby, right? They get relegated. He's on a big number. They have a coaching change. He's not playing. Yeah. And, and, and the, kind of the the realities of this business especially you know in some of these you know in some of these european clubs and in some of these european leagues where 
um, especially a young guy like Rubio, which th- this is the other thing people forget. Rubio turned 25 last month. That's like, shocking to me. Rubio's it's, you know, Rubio. It means still, he was playing with a national team when he was like 18 or 19. Yeah. And he, so he still hasn't even <laughs> in hit my his head anyway. at all. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, a young guy like that just, it ebbs and flows and things happen, you know, you know, I'll give you an example that, that some, that some people will be more familiar with like you even look at a guy like christian pulisic right like he's he makes a you know he he bursts through at at dortmund and he's fantastic and has a great run and then just as quickly a couple other guys you know Jaden sancho comes in and and he starts taking his minutes and then suddenly they move him on to chelsea and he he's great at chelsea and then all of a sudden for you know there's a coaching change and and for no real through no fault of his own you know, he falls down the pecking order. He's struggling. You know, he's having to fight for minutes. And then there's questions about his future. And just like these things at times in this sport and, and in any sport um, can kind of, I don't know, I don't want to say haunt a player, but kind of dog a player a little sure. bit in in that it, it just becomes part of a narrative that isn't even necessarily fair. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I think some of that stuff has happened with Rubio. You know, he's in... He was in Holland and he, and he bounced around Europe a little bit. And then, you know, he goes to Mexico and he bounces to a couple places in Mexico. And we, we can't forget he's playing at a high level in all these places. Sure. And it just isn't, you know, their coaching changes and this and that. And it just doesn't click and he doesn't stay. And now, you know, I think our, you know, we all hope that this can be a long-term home for him. Yeah. Um, and that he can have, this can be where he really establishes his future. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's a story we've seen many times in, in many sports and in our league where, where guys come home and, and see some success and, and it, and just flourish. Quick aside, is there a more volatile league in the world in Mexico? (sighs) I mean, I think it's so volatile there. I, I feel like I recently read, they're actually trying to institute a limit on the number of coaching changes a club can make in, in a particular uh, Apertura or Clausura. So yeah. it, it's crazy that that would have to be legislated. That's yeah. a sign of a problem. I guess the Brazilian leagues well, I, are. That's pretty what I was going to say. Is you say that, but then you look, you look at a lot of the South American leagues, even some European leagues. Yeah. I mean, it's just they just churn through managers and players, and yeah. it's 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 got to be hard for athletes to perform at their zenith when it's craziness all yeah. around them. Yeah. Um. Tony, I want to go back to something you touched on about a chip on a shoulder. This club, I think, was built on people having a chip on a shoulder, starting with Dave Checkets and many others, including myself, trying to prove to Utah that MLS was going to work and that soccer was the future and present. Of course. And that that we would survive and that the stadium in Sandy wouldn't be this albatross hanging around Sandy in the state's neck. I mean, it's amazing the fights that we went through you know not too long ago 14 years ago um and then i i know garth and jason working with them it was very clearly that player paradigm that changed the competitive culture of this organization was people coming in looking for their second or third chance and that's that's kyle that's nick that's javi that's nat that's ned that's will that's pretty much everybody i mean you were actually an exception as i kind of go through this in terms of being drafted and and having the opportunity to grow sure. uh, into your professional career here. And now I guess if you look at Real Salt Lake from a 30,000 foot view, 
probably never had a bigger chip on our, sh- on our shoulder than we do right now to kind of remind people what this club is, what it has. Um, on an earlier podcast this week, I was talking about MLS expansion candidates, and I, I you know, I don't know how many future um, potential owners of Rail Salt Lake are listening to me each week, but I mean, at least here you can spend whatever the money is three hundred, four hundred million, and and have a turnkey solution in a and be relevant in your community with incredible infrastructure, whereas. Anywhere else, you're spending $400 million just to call yourself an MLS owner. And then you're building a stadium and a practice facility and an academy and a secondary team and a women's option. And all that stuff is additional hundreds of millions of dollars on top of that. But um, again, I guess this sort of dovetails with the feeling I had for the Sacramento scrimmage is just being able to have fans around the club again and not not doing everything through Twitter and Zoom as we've all been doing for the last, I don't know, 14, 15 months hmm. is, I feel like is going to be that, I don't know what the right saying is, but that kind of accelerant on the, uh, on the uh, low burgeoning flame that is Rail Salt Lake <laughs> right now to mix like six metaphors. Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate it. Um, <laughs> Please keep keep going. Tony, Elliot. you want to throw a basketball metaphor in there or something? <laughs> Elliot knows I love throwing around basketball metaphors in the office. It'll be like sure. when the Nuggets win the championship, even without Jamal Murray. That's the kind of success story we're poised to embark on. I wish just you... so I, I want to put this out there <laughs> just for everybody. So Trey, Trey is currently wearing a Utah Jazz hat, talking about the Nuggets. Dark mode, and then bro. when we walked in, he talked about the Warriors. So he is a fan of three Western Conference teams somehow who all compete. Uh, it's it's easy. The Nuggets are the team of my childhood that I actually got my first job in sports with. The Jazz are my hometown team, and the Warriors are the team that brought me back to professional basketball after a I don't know fifteen year hiatus. All three incredibly fun to watch, and uh, I'm just a fan of organizations and and people trying to do things the right way, which is why I'm a big fan of Tony Beltran. Tony, thank Tony, you, which, of, which of those teams is your favorite to watch? So it's funny when Trey said the Warriors, um, my first instinct was that it was not a basketball team, but that he was a fan of the Warriors rugby team. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, I like to see all Utah teams do well at a certain level. But yeah, I'm Tony's a, uh, currently deflecting away from the basketball conversation because well, he doesn't have an answer. That, show, for that shows and, my basketball and, knowledge. And honestly, right. Tony, some of this comes from I did get the opportunity to see Steph Curry play in college. Okay, small college, Davidson, North Carolina. Tony, he plays for the Warriors. Hometown. He's actually changed the NBA, but hometown of our producer, television producer friend Ken Neal. Uh, Ken Neal and I were going to a Broncos Panthers game that weekend. So the night before, we saw Steph Curry. You know score 38 points in 20 minutes and that's a lot tony and uh davidson thrashed middle tennessee state or somebody like that and uh so you know when the warriors started uh, with the splash brothers started jacking up threes and see i identify with smaller guys now i realize that here we go steph curry hang on steph curry at (laughs) six three looks small on an nba basketball court would largely in most mls games be probably the First or second tallest player. Do on we the have field? anyone that's six three in our roster? No. Who's uh, our You think so? Maybe. Anyway, sorry, Trey. No, it's fine. It's just it's just kind of a Demir's, Demir's personality is like He's seven seven. <laughs> so. I, I agree with that. So, sorry, I'm, we're having some fun here, but obviously those are the things that all kind of brought me back and give me 
fire. And so the Nuggets success, the Jazz success, and Steph Curry, uh, you know, have brought me a lot of joy during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, you brought up anybody else on the Warriors? You, you like? brought up Demir. Um, I mean, I like Clay. Clay's got a Clay's press conferences and. Uh, kind of off-field media persona is fantastic. It's great. Everybody should be that. Trey's ignoring the fact that for years he's called Draymond Green his spirit animal. Well, I was getting there. (laughs) I was getting there. No, you weren't. Draymond and I, that's a whole separate pod is to make those comparisons. (laughs) Yeah. That might be a special edition. That'll be on our Patreon level. Who's Uh, been fined more? (laughs) Neck and neck. (laughs) Um, Anyway, you brought up Demir. Um, I want to close this out with you guys uh, going down the road. The, the ties between Demir and Bobby Wood, their time together at Union Berlin, um, Demir helping, I think, sell Bobby a little bit on this opportunity as well. And, and look, we're, we're in a time now where I think Demir is the perfect, global representative of our organization Mm. Uh, because of who he is as a person, what he does off the field, how he uh, treats people no matter um, where they are in kind of the Real Salt Lake or Salt Lake City orbit. Certainly. Um, So if, if, if you just want to touch a little bit on, on how he, uh, how he represents us and and what knock on effect that might've had with Bobby and his people. Yeah. I mean, look, Demir, personifies the RSL way in a lot of ways. He's, people have probably heard me say this, he's the nicest guy alive. I mean, like, he is, he's so genuine and so kind um, and so invested in the team's success um, and and what, um, you know, what it means to to build a culture. Uh, and I think in, in that respect, you're right. He is a, he's a, he's a perfect representative of the club. Um, and absolutely, I, you know, when, when we were speaking with Bobby, one of the first things we said was, you know, reach out to Demir, you know, we, we. In English or in German? I think they speak English together. I'm sure they do. I'm just being a jerk. Um, I no. I mean they could speak either. They both speak it. They both speak uh both perfectly, I believe. So uh although my German is not not good, so I, I couldn't I guess I couldn't tell you if their German's perfect. Um but no, they look, it was and and it was basically we knew they had a connection and we knew that, yeah. you know, they had played together and, and it was, you know, don't don't just listen to us. Listen to listen to the guys that you know. Listen to the guys you've spent time with, and and you know Bobby. Bobby talked to a lot of people, obviously, mm-hmm. but you know he had spent a lot of time with Demir and knew mm-hmm. Demir well. So he he, you know, in in that respect, also Demir's a you know, he's <laughs> I guess he's a great recruiter too. So, <laughs> um, yeah, and, and and look, Tony, you played with him as well, so you can speak a little bit to this. Yeah, more. no, I I was just going to add, you know, and you're a hundred percent right in leading with who Demir is as a person, you know, speaking of his character, but he's also a heck of a soccer player. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is so much fun to watch Demir and, and to just see, you know, in every big moment consistently, big moments in games, you know, even in preseason, he just scores tremendous goals. He has so much quality, so much top-end quality in the final third and and really all over the field, but, you know, specifically in that goal-scoring prowess and 
and we're you know we look i could go on about demir forever yeah um but you know elliot said it very well we don't need to be long-winded about it it is a is a, an absolute privilege to have demir be a representative to be a leader um, to be within our organization and uh also a privilege to see him on the field you know i think i think we've he's already done so much for our club already done so much to further real salt lake and, and to further the next generation of real salt lake players and and you know he's he's just getting started so it's going to be again consistent with what it has been in the past it's going to be fantastic to see him wear our jersey this year um i just want to wrap this up quickly with giving each of you an opportunity to address the fan base and the listeners uh as we embark on uh, what i think will end up being an overwhelmingly positive and satisfactory and rewarding 2021 season elliot yeah i i mean i just think i just want to say thank you to our fans um for for sticking with us it's been there's no hiding from it it's been a challenging couple years really challenging um in a lot of respects and and we appreciate everything we you know without we're here for our fans. That's why we're here. We're not here uh, for anything beyond that. Um, without without our fans and without our supporters, Real Salt Lake doesn't exist. Um, you know, this is a this is a club that is, and and every every good club is this way. It's it's not about those of us in the front office it's not about the coaching staff it's not even about the players it's about the badge it's about it's it's much more spiritual and and much more deeply connected with the community than than any individual or any group of people so um and and that's the fan base so that's you know we were in a lot of ways we're also you know we're fans ourselves yeah i mean that's absolutely that's what we all are and and look we're fortunate enough to get to to be a, a a part of it but you know we're fans too so you know thank you to thank you to the fans and and hopefully we're we're celebrating a, a lot more this year than than last tony yeah no i i think uh look elliot stole mine um gratitude is the right sentiment it's the appropriate sentiment it's the only sentiment um you know because again for all the reasons he'd spelled out Real Salt Lake is nothing without our fans, and we appreciate everything they do for us, um, everything they've endured, um, you know, through recent history, and, and everything they're, you know, we're going to do together in the future. And their support is, is um, makes it all worth it. Really, it does. And and he is right. You know, him and I are fans, and we understand that it's a privilege to be in these positions. I don't want to say positions of power, but certainly positions of influence in mm-hmm. the direction of the club. And we don't take that lightly. We're certainly not shying away from that responsibility. And the truth is, you know, we are waking up every day, you know, killing ourselves, trying to to further this club in, in any way that we can. And, and certainly it's made extremely difficult by the circumstances. Um, but in also in other ways, it's having, you know, autonomy is 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 liberating and, and has allowed us to do a lot of fantastic things, um, you know, or at least I believe are impactful, fantastic things. So look, MLS is, it's a very difficult league and you, in sports, I understand this, you tend to live and die by the results each sure. week. And, and, you know, that's part of the fun. That's, that's part of what drives you forward. But, um, you know, I, I think we're trying to, what I'm trying to say is we really are trying to make them proud, to make the fan base proud yeah. and to make everyone associated with Real Salt Lake proud. And, and look, if, 
our time will be done at some point and, and that's okay. You know, then someone else will come in and, and, and take up this mantle. But, um, but I hope, uh, I hope that shows through our actions and, and through everything with the team. And, and I hope, I hope we have success this year, um, because, because the fan base deserves it. Great stuff, you guys. I I am fortunate enough to to know you guys both uh, well enough to know how hard you are working uh, to rebuild and uh, restore um, everything this club and those fans deserve. So thank you from me, from the fan side of things. And I just want to remind everybody that, yeah, we are all in this together and there is no rebuild or restoration or reemergence without fan participation. So um, I do love the inclusive nature that that you two have spearheaded uh for the club in recent and in recent times i guess and then obviously there's a lot of other people john kimball tyler gibbons many many others come to come to mind for me but uh so thank you for being here today thank you for being our first uh repeat guest thank you for doing this together kind of fun different format and uh we'll check in with you guys again this summer thank you Trey. love it thanks Trey. all right that's bleeding claret and cobalt presented by one wire voip all right that is the latest version edition of bleeding claret and cobalt now presented to you by one wire fiber go to the number one wirefiber.com. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to connect with us, and please do, you can find us on both Twitter and Instagram at Claret Cobalt, C L A R E T C O B A L T. We are always up for some banter, for omissions, corrections, guest suggestions, your favorite RSL memories, or whatever. You can also share your RSL memories at anchor.fm slash claret and cobalt press that message button we'd love to hear from you this show independently produced by trey fitzgerald and mountaineer media recorded at mountaineer studios in draper utah the views expressed here on this show are our own and do not necessarily reflect the opinions or positions of real salt lake thanks for listening we'll talk to you soon